Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Central Virginia Fishing Report with Ethan Martin at Tail Tellers Fly Shop. How you doing, Ethan? I'm doing great today. How you doing today? Uh, just trying to stay out of trouble. I took a little bit of a look at your weather before we started recording, and it looks like it's solidly winter in Central Virginia. Yeah, you got it. It's, uh, it's not too crazy cold, not too crazy warm, uh, like you know, mid-40s, low-40s in that range, and then uh, across the board, we've had pretty good water flows. Um, I know if you brought up like Virginia water data, which show that we've got in our streams, everything is running about average. Um, so nothing's too low, nothing's too high, and it's all cold. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the moral of the story, right, is to sleep late and go fish for trout. Yeah, that's it. I, and see, I, that's what's funny is I tell people that all the time. And then when I get my days to fish, I still end up leaving at like eight in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least you can scout for two or three hours before the bite turns on. Yeah, and, and freeze. That's been the thing. Uh, it, it, some people don't think about it, but, you know, the streams up in the mountains are going to be a little bit colder, uh, especially in the morning. But then we had a, a little bit of, like, faint snow the past couple of, uh, what was it, past weekend, I guess Saturday. And so a lot of that snow, I actually went up in the mountains yesterday, and it was still all snowed over. I mean, you know, ice, because it was all packed down. Um, so those streams were real cold and, uh, we still ended up catching a handful of fish towards the, uh, like midday and they actually, they ate dry flies. So it was a pretty cool uh, experience. I mean, they eat, rookies will eat dries most any day of the year if it's, um, if you put them in the right places, but, uh, it is a cool thing to go up in January against all conventional wisdom, throwing a dry fly and having brook trout still eat it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a really good question uh, talking about winter fishing for trout uh, from Gregory. And he's in uh, eastern West Virginia, says he's in medical school and likes to fly fish kind of to get away from it all. And he's having some issues targeting fish in the the deeper pools. And, you know, I inferred from his question, uh, he told me he's fishing really small stuff like midges and so he really wants to know how do you get to the bottom with a rig like that or is it better to upsize your flies um and try to get fish to move that way yeah so if if i'm fishing with you what i would recommend would be two things like first i'll just address the depth issue because to me this it sounds like there's two different issues kind of going on if you're not able to one catch fish but two is just when you're in those pools trying to get a fly to the bottom it does require more weight so split shot does become either split shot or a really heavy fly um, becomes what you need and so just like yesterday there was a hole that uh we fished that is stupid deep i mean but it's it's like in a canyon and so um when you're fishing it it's probably like six to eight foot deep um and so in all reality you're not going to be able to get to the bottom of that with a, with a traditional fly rod setup. So how we address it is I put on a really heavy tungsten headed fly. Um, and it's just a fabulous fly called a mop fly, you know, <laughs> and it's, and, uh, to stock fish, a stock stream. So with the mop fly, I kind of knew you know, this is a giant gob of meat essentially. So on this stock section that we were fishing, I would cast up, and I was just watching my indicator. And every time that my indicator would float back, and obviously um, no fish would eat it, 
if you didn't see it like twitch or wiggle or move or do anything ever, then that automatically tells me that my fly isn't down deep enough to where it's even bumping the water occasionally or bumping the, the bottom of the river occasionally. So how, how I change that is nothing's eating the moth fly. I put on one split shot. I cast up again uh, and then watched it and then caught a fish on it. So that, that one change of depth of just adding one split shot to it um, did make an, an adjustment and uh, we end up catching the fish. So made a couple more casts, didn't catch anything. So then I thought, let me get it even deeper just to see because still my indicator was telling me it was never moving, not for a fish and not for striking the bottom even. So that tells you you're nowhere close to the bottom. Uh, so I cut off the old mock fly and then I had a, a really heavy tungsten headed fly that, that I make. Um, and there it's a pedagon. And so you take that thing and, um, the head on the ones that I tie is like a really big bead. I mean, it's basically like, uh, I think if I'm thinking right, and if you're a fly tire, this makes sense to you, but it's like a 3.8 millimeter, um, bead. And so tie that on and within two casts, we had caught two more fish. So it all just boils down to, you know, the depth of where you're fishing. So to draw it back, if you're, if you're fishing really small flies, a lot of times it is, difficult to get really small flies down deep um, because they don't weigh much and so then you have to compensate by using split shot um, but the flip side to that is in our Virginia streams I rarely fish midges and I know that's kind of unconventional wisdom because when you look at stuff online um, a lot of people say you know one of the top three patterns to use through the winter is the zebra midge which is true. I mean, I have some in my box, but on the majority of our Freestone River, I'll say that, uh, on our Freestone River, so places that aren't tailwaters like the Jackson or the Smith or a Spring Creek, um, if, if basically if the river is coming out of the mountain and it's just a free-flowing stream, then I pretty much don't fish midges. And the reason for that is it doesn't seem to be necessary to catch fish. Um, so I, I'll fish bigger patterns, which again is somewhat unconventional. Um, doesn't go by the books that you read, um, but like a size 10, a size 12 girdle bug, uh, or like a patch rubber legs, what they're called. You'll still catch fish through the winter on those things because a lot of it boils to the depth that you're fishing. And when you look at a pattern like a patch rubber legs, you know, we commonly would assume that that fly looks like a stonefly, but to a fish, you know, it might look just enough like a crayfish or a helgramite or something like that, that is just on the bottom of the river. So those fish are used to picking off whatever sort of foods that they can find. And so if you're fishing a midge consistently and you're not catching fish, it could be one because you're not down deep enough, or it could be two is that that fish just wants to find a bigger meal um, to consume other than a midge because when it's as cold as it is right now, you almost have to like bounce the flies off the fish's nose for them to eat it, if that makes sense. Um, so going back to like where we fished yesterday, the place is like six to eight foot deep in the center of the hole. So off of those edges, if I'm fishing a midge and that midge is coming off, you know, let's say even four foot deep and the trout's going to have to come off the bottom two foot to consume a size 18 or a size 20 midge, 
in my experience, that just doesn't happen as often unless there's an active midge hatch um, or maybe on a tailwater. You know, so tailwaters to me are going to be a completely different story. But in a lot of the streams that you're probably going to be fishing, um, you're not going to be experiencing that sort of a hatch where fish are just keyed in on eating little tiny midges. So I would say try a couple different patterns. Um, ones I'd recommend would be the girdle bug or the patch rubber leg. You can get them with a, as heavy a tungsten bead as you can find. Other things like a, a prince nymph or a pattern I talk about a lot, which is the, the hot bead prince, which is basically just a prince nymph with a orange fluorescent bead on it. So try stuff that's a little bit more leaning towards the attractor realm. Uh, and if you're still not catching fish on that, then I would say change your approach to how you're fishing that pool. Because um, that is another thing that made a difference for us yesterday is uh, in the canyon that we were fishing, we, at first, you know, it was, it was cold. So we were trying to get out of the stream to fish it. And so we were almost on like the complete left bank casting out. And what I was finding was as I was casting out, there was just no way that my nymph was getting anywhere close to the bottom because the way I was casting upstream, it basically put like an immediate drag on my fly, which one fish aren't going to be as actively eating a fly that has drag on it. Um, And two, you know, depth really does matter. So I told the guy I was with, I was like, I think the only way that we're going to be able to really catch fish is if we go back into the water, you stand directly downstream, cast as far upstream as we can cast, and then let this whole rig just kind of sink, go down in the water column, and come back to us. And it was as soon as we did that that we started picking up fish. So there's just the three things I would say is, one, you focus on your depth. So that might be adding a heavier fly, maybe split shot. Two is consider changing flies to something bigger um, because that will increase weight and it'll increase the the potential for the fish to want to move for it because it's a little bit bigger of a meal. And then the third thing would be look at your approach to those pools that you're fishing. Because if you're trying to fish it, you know, fishing from upstream, downstream, or at a weird angle off to the left or right of the stream, a lot of times if you do go to the back of the hole, it will enable you to have better dead drift, and it'll also help the flies get deeper because you do have a true dead drift if that makes sense. So there's a lot of things <laughs> within that one question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the only kind of trick I would add to that is, you know, one way to know when you're indicator fishing that you're getting down is to always remember that the water on the bottom of the river is slower than the water on top. Yep. And so if you, you know, watch your indicator and try to judge its speed in relation to like leaves and bubbles on the top of the water and if your indicator is moving faster than the bubbles, you're not on the bottom. Yep. Right? Yep, that's for sure. And, or you're dragging hardcore. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the trick is to make sure that that indicator is moving kind of at or a little bit slower than the flow of the water. And that will also, Gregory, give you a little bit of a visual cue um, that you're down, right? Yep. And it's a common question, actually, that I've had in the shop is, you know, what size fly you should be fishing through the winter because like I said, you know, if you read articles or if you read books, you know, people are always talking about, you know, matching the hatch and that sort of thing, which is going to be true on your streams out west, particularly tailwater, spring creeks, that sort of thing. Um, but then, like I said, I, I end up a lot of times on our freestone stuff, just kind of 
fishing Frenchies in a size 14 or 12. And if you're not catching a fish on a Frenchie in a size 14, 12, or 16, then it has to do with something else. Because those flies on our Freestone River catch fish year-round. I mean, I, I've had year after year after year where that's just a consistent producer uh, of fish. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, folks, last time uh, – Ethan announced that the prize that we were going to draw for, and I think if I remember correctly, right, it was uh, some uh, store swag and a hundred dollar gift card. Isn't that right, Ethan? Yep, you got it. Yep. And so uh, I'll announce the winner, uh, and the winner is Jack Bassett. And Jack, I will get your contact information to Ethan, and he'll reach out to you and hook you up. And you know, folks. We love questions at the Articulate Fly. You can email them to us, send them to us on our Facebook or Instagram page. If we read your question, we're starting another year. I'll send you some Articulate Fly swag, and you'll get into a drawing for something cool from the shop at the end of the season. And, you know, Ethan, before I let you hop and uh, go grab dinner, why don't you let folks uh, know where to find the shop online, where you are in downtown Lynchburg, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so we're located on Commerce Street in downtown Lynchburg, so that's basically right on the James River. It's just one street up from it. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff to do around here throughout the day. So it's a great, you know, weekend trip or a uh, weekend getaway. Uh, a lot of coffee shops, fun stuff. And then you can come and chat with me. Um, and then if you can't make it to the shop, other ways that you can get in touch or, you know, look at products or that sort of thing is through our website, which is tailtellersva.com, which is like tailtellersvirginia.com. And, uh, or Instagram, Facebook, all of those ways. And, uh, we're, we're pretty active on all the social media platforms. So if you have a, a question, you know, you can always send us a question through, um, that route and we can get in touch with you directly. Um, and I, you know, like we've said many times, I, I really enjoy the teaching aspect and, and helping people get more out of their time on the water. So, um, if there's any way that I can help, you know, just shoot me a message. Yeah, absolutely. And folks, you know, you owe it to yourself. If you can sneak out and catch a few, you should do it. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Ethan. Tight lines.